Welcome to the Nopalera podcast, a place where I share the journey of building my company from the ground up, as well as the stories of others in our community. I am your host, Sandra Velasquez, founder of Nopalera, a culture-forward brand that celebrates and elevates culture. Aside from making great products, we are cultural storytellers with a mission to inspire our community to stand in their worth. In this podcast, you will hear a mix of solo and guest episodes around the entrepreneurial realities of building a company. I launched Nopalera from my Brooklyn apartment with no outside funding while working three jobs, raising my child in the middle of the pandemic at the age of 44. Thank you for joining me on this journey. I hope it inspires you to live boldly. Hey, hey, amigos. It is still Hispanic Heritage Month, and I'm so excited for this conversation with Linda Garcia from In Loose We Trust. I am so honored to call Linda a friend. I took her stock market course last year and it changed my life. How she starts the course is with addressing our money wounds. And it's something that is not talked about enough, especially within our community. So I just can't wait for you to hear her story about how she started, what she had to let go of in order to become who she is and become a guiding light within our community. She is a Cali native, proud Latina. She spent 17 years working in the TV and film industry, helping well-recognized TV networks, movie studios, and streaming services build programming for the U.S. Hispanic market. Despite enjoying the work, Linda knew there was more to life than working to make someone else rich. Eventually, she took the knowledge she'd gained and used it to launch the Let There Be Loose podcast, a weekly podcast aimed to channel one's spiritual journey. And in 2019, after relocating to Dallas, her journey led her to what she considers her life's purpose, which is to help the Latinx community heal the generational money wounds that prevent them from achieving wealth. In 2020, at the height of the pandemic, Linda launched her first stock market course for beginners and created a rapidly growing community of Latinx investors on Patreon and Instagram known as In Loose We Trust. Today, Linda is a published children's book author, a self-made business owner, and a guiding light for thousands of BIPOC who are looking to break free from limiting and toxic money mentalities. I couldn't imagine a more important and fitting conversation for Hispanic Heritage Month than this topic. So please make yourself comfortable and listen to Linda's inspiring story and her knowledge. Enjoy. Linda, welcome to the Novaleta podcast. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be spending the morning with you today. It's such a great way to start the day talking to you. What a treat. Um, obviously, I'm a huge fan. Your class changed my life. We're going to talk about that later, but I want to just dive right into it and talk about what is happening right now in the market. What do you see happening and why is it important that our community pays attention to this moment? Absolutely. So I think the biggest thing we have to understand is that there is a crisis taking place economically, and there should have been a crisis taking place economically in 2020, (laughs) but it's a delayed crisis because we did have government step in and the feds step in and help pump the economy so that no one would freak out. We were getting an extra $600 for unemployment. There was just so much money that was being pumped into the market. And I really do think that that was necessary because we were freaking out during this time. And so it helped placate, I think, the nerves of the people, you know, those that were the most affected. And so what is happening is that now we're starting to face the brunt of this pumping up the economy. It's like you can't escape it, right? We were like kicking the can down the road. Mm. And we really can't kick it any further. Mm -hmm. So we're having to face what is a downturn in our economy. Here's the beauty of this, that this is a amazing opportunity to start to build generational wealth. I think most of us don't understand this because we aren't taught these things in school, but there is something called creative destruction that happens every time there is a global crisis or not necessarily even a global crisis. It could be a crisis within the country, not necessarily global. Mm -hmm. But the bigger the crisis, the more impact we have for positive change. And so that's what we're seeing right now. It's a term coined creative destruction from an economist in the 1930s, where he explains that every time we have a crisis, there's creative ideas that start to develop in people's brains. And then we go and execute those ideas. You're a 
perfect. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, are you talking about me? <laughs> I am. I am. You are a perfect reflection of creative destruction. You saw an issue within your current world, within your current sphere, and you decided to take action and make a change. And it was the crisis in 2020 that made you take that action. You got to realize a lot of things. Like, I don't know if this is true to you, but what I'm guessing is like, you got to realize life is short. If I'm going to do this, it's now versus never. Like you just went for it. Yeah. I actually felt like I had no choice, but Mm -hmm. to just dive into the pool, like head on, like, I don't know how deep this pool is. I don't know if the water's clean. (laughs) I don't know if it's safe, but I really felt like my back was up against the wall and it was kind of like, what else do I have to lose? Right? Yes. Yes. And that is exactly what creative destruction does. It pushes you into a certain direction and it's like a motion that you cannot stop. It feels like a calling. It feels like it's beyond you. It kind of feels like you're taking direction from someone else. Mm-hmm. And here you go. You're executing. And so all of us have the capability to tap into this. This isn't exclusive to anyone. It's all of us. It's understanding that for some of us, we get lucky and we don't know that we're tapping into creative destruction. We're just doing it because we feel the command. Mm -hmm. But for some folks that have had a really hard time in their lives, just creating and moving towards creation versus what they're accustomed to, it can be so much more challenging. And so part of what I like to talk about is creative destruction, what that does, especially because we're in it right now. It wouldn't Mm -hmm. really serve a purpose if we weren't in it, but we're in it. Yes. Yes. And so what happens during this time is that millionaires are born, people tap into their personal power and their personal capabilities, and we start to see the limitations transcend. We start to see those limitations dissipate, and we start to understand that we can reach for everything that we want despite our circumstances. The biggest challenge that we have to overcome are the challenge of beliefs that we hold, Mm -hmm. because we are also upholding a greater belief system that is detrimental, most especially to people of color. Can you just expound upon that sentence? Yeah. Those beliefs and and where they came from. Sure. The beginning of our beliefs are given to us by our parents. Yeah. Even as babies inside the womb, like we're already understanding the way our mother feels in a completely different capacity. We're not using our senses in the way that we get to use them once we're born. Mm -hmm. So imagine how much potent the senses that we can use within the womb, like are so much stronger. And so we're getting to read energy. We're getting to read what's taking place with our mother, how she's feeling, how she's felt her worries. And so all of that energy is transferred to us. It's inevitable, right? And so we're born with a certain set of beliefs and then we come out and our parents like to tell us their beliefs Mm -hmm. and they like to ingrain them and they like to like make sure we understand these are our beliefs. This is what we have to follow. Work hard, mija. Work hard, mija. Money doesn't grow on trees. All of it. Yes. And so it's natural to believe that. We don't necessarily fight that from a young age. What we start to understand is that within our family's beliefs, we have our community's beliefs, depending on, you know, what our background is, what our heritage is. And then beyond that, there's society beliefs that also puts us in the place of our beliefs. So we have so all these- many layers of beliefs. Oh, my God. <laughs> we have all these gatekeepers, all these gates that we have to be really courageous to like open the gate and see what's on the other side. And then you'll explore a little bit and you're like, oh, shit, there's another gate here. Mm-hmm. Like I have to build mm-hmm. more courage and so on and so forth. So you're walking through those limitations. I believe in personal power. I believe that all of us are capable of creating something magnificent. Mm -hmm. I also believe that there are gatekeepers that, Mm -hmm. you know, want to keep us in a certain space. But I believe that our power transcends what the gatekeeper wants. And I think that we're starting to see that. And we're getting to see it because of technology. Technology has really, while it has a big dark side, it's also helped us you know, walk through those gates even faster. Yeah. We have more accessibility to knowledge. Like, Nopalera, you can Google Sandra. You know, we call you Nopalera, Sandra, <laughs> warrior. Yeah. You can Google how to do anything, mm-hmm. anything you want. And the answer is there for the taking. 
Yeah. It's something that you said, right, is I also agree that we are all products of our environments, right? And so we're all brought up and surrounded by these beliefs that we don't even know are beliefs, right? We accept them as truths. We accept them as facts. Mm -hmm. And so what is required internally to, first of all, recognize that that's what it is, and then really take a step to find a different reality, right? Because I feel like what I see, and just speaking from my own experience, I spent 15 years kind of trapped Trapped is a strong word. I don't want to use that word. Living in a bubble of what I thought was possible. And I just didn't know anyone else who was modeling a different reality. So it just kind of perpetuates and reaffirms what you believe to be the truth or reality or what's possible, right? I used to make $40,000 a year and I thought that that was good mm-hmm. <laughs> until yeah. I realized, oh my God, people make like $150,000 a year. And wow, that's a whole other reality. Like, And I just didn't know any of those people. So it was hard for me to even imagine that that was possible. So how does one break out of that? Yeah. So I think the most important component to this is to start monitoring your thoughts, Mm. is to start monitoring your beliefs. By way of monitoring your thoughts, you're monitoring your beliefs. And it's just Mm -hmm. really releasing those thoughts. Like when you start to feel scared or negative towards something, it's good to just write it out so that you can put it on the table and see what is it that my brain believes? And is what my brain believes really, you're not good enough. Mm -hmm. Who do you think you are creating this? You're not going to make it. No one's ever made it. What makes you think you can do it? Like putting all of that out there and understanding your relationship with self, how much you don't believe in yourself or how much you do believe in yourself, you know, just analyzing that aspect and starting to nurture your thoughts and really diving in. Is this true? Is this really, really true? While I haven't had anyone modeled it modeled it to me directly. Mm -hmm. Can I Google another Latina entrepreneur that, you know, can I find her? Can I seek her? Mm -hmm. I think that's important to start almost like fact checking yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, this isn't a fact. This is a lie. You know, I see where this has been created before Mm -hmm. and it takes time. It's not something that happens overnight because our brain is hardwired. We've yes. every neuron that's connected is a hardwired belief. It's like a reptilian ancient brain, right? Yes. But the beauty about that, what we're starting to find out is that you can create new beliefs, you can create new neural pathways, and you can make those strong enough to create new beliefs. And once you start to believe these things, you'll actually start to attract them in the sense that not in a woohoo-y way, yeah. but in a way where, which it can be woohoo-y if that's how you enjoy to see the world, mm-hmm. um, but also in a very fact-based way where there is a part of our brain called the reticular activating system that works on filtering your ideas. It works on filtering what you see because it only wants to focus on what is important to you. So Mm -hmm. if not being able to pay your bills is important to you, then the reticular activating system says, Sandra doesn't care about the solution of how to pay her bills. She's focused on how she can't pay her bills. Mm -hmm. So everything we sift through, like we need to make sure we're only showing her evidence on how she can't. Yeah. It's like a GPS, right? Like our brain is like a GPS. We will, we will find the thing that we put into our brain and it will validate it. And then we'll be like, see, it's true. Right? Yes, exactly. And then we strengthen that neural pathway. We're strengthening that belief yeah. over and over. So that's kind of, we're having to work that backwards. Like, yeah. no, this isn't true. You know, remind ourselves every time. And I think, I don't know the end road, but at least for me, no matter how many goals I achieve or, you know, how much evidence I'm showing to myself that I am capable, what I've learned is that when I reach a new goal, I have that limited belief. It might not be as strong, but it still exists. And I have the capability to go back and strengthen it Mm -hmm. or, you know, I have to step back and like, dang, I'm still doing the work. (laughs) You know, I'm still having to It's a practice. It It is. Right. It's like we've been practicing, like like I'm 46. So for how many, 40 years I practiced believing certain things that were limiting to myself, right? And to my potential So imagine how long it takes to undo that, right? It's like you said, it's not overnight. No. And it's hard work, right? So I think that that's also important just to remind people that 
you know, sometimes people look at what I'm doing. They're like, wow, you're killing it. Like you did it so fast. And I'm like, this is hard. <laughs> this yeah. is, am I making it look easy? Cause let me tell you, it's not okay. Let's yeah. just get that out of the way. It's not, it's hard every day. Like I have to conquer my mind, you know, mm -hmm. and I can feel the fears creeping in. I can feel just doubt creeping in, but I have to just tell myself new thoughts, you know, and it's a practice like a religion, honestly. Absolutely. And not only that, but all of the work you've done before you launched Nopalera, like yeah. it wasn't just like you launched Nopalera and everything happened. It's like, girl, it's been hard for a long time. Life. Yes, <laughs> okay. exactly. Okay. exactly. It's been a long, hard road. Okay. Exactly. Yes. It's so true. And I think that I definitely give thanks to my past of being a musician, having so much rejection. You know, I've played to thousands of people and I have played to four people and you have to show up with the same strength and confidence to four people as you do for thousands of people in the Zocalo in Mexico city. But that definitely strengthening that kind of rejection muscle, um, has helped me do what I'm doing today for sure. You know? Yes. I really want to touch on money wounds because I feel like you are the expert in this topic. And when I took your class uh, last year, which changed my life, it started with money wounds. And I was like, damn, for real? Can't we just get to like, <laughs> how, what, what do I invest in? What stock should I pick? Just tell me what to do, Linda. But you're like, first, we need to address our money wounds. <laughs> and so, um, and I'm sure I'm not alone with like, damn, really? We have to talk about my mind and my past. But First of all, define for anyone that's new to this concept, like what is a money wound? Yeah, so a money wound is tied to a belief that we have. So it's the component that is specifically tied to money and not just money per se, but scarcity in any aspect. So there's a fear that there isn't enough or that enough is going to run out mm. or that what exists isn't for you and will never be for you. Yeah, I feel that. Yes, and it's tied to money. And so it's so important for us to really work on this piece because no matter how much we learn about investing, no matter how much we learn about real estate or the stock market or how to create a business, if we're not understanding our scarcity trauma, our money trauma, then we're never going to be able to grow into spaces where we're multimillionaires and billionaires and we're distributing more money into our communities, which is the ultimate goal. And so some of the biggest beliefs that are most common and rooted in money wounds is like um, wealthy people are greedy. Mm -hmm. I have to work hard for money and there isn't enough money. Like I'm not worthy of the money. There isn't enough money. Mm -hmm. And so these layered beliefs like money is the root of all evil mm -hmm. uh, and wealthy people are greedy. If you really believe that, which I really, really did, mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I did. Mm -hmm. uh, if you really believe that, then your soul, your higher self will never allow for you to amass money or amass wealth because it's protecting you from being evil or being greedy. Yeah. And the truth is that we need for most of us to be wealthy. We need for more of us. And yes, most of us, we need for more of us to embody this space and let go of this belief mm -hmm. so that we can sow back into our own communities so yeah. that, you know, Sandra can make multi-millions into the billions and then start funding, become a, a venture capitalist Can't and wait. then start, yes, exactly. And then start funding other Latinas mm -hmm. to make the road much easier for them. But we have to first, unfortunately, work on that scarcity mindset where we believe that wealthy people are greedy and where we believe that money is the root of all evil and we have to work hard in order to obtain it. Those are like the big, most common ones. I feel like everything else kind of stems from those root beliefs. Totally. And I feel like what I see is people have this belief that there is a finite amount of money in the world and therefore if they are making it, they're taking it away from someone else, Yes. right? And they, they turn into that greedy, wealthy person that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And so what I have learned through this fundraise that I'm about to close, <laughs> knock on wood, is that there is so much money in the world that people mm -hmm. don't even know what to do with it. They're literally like, as we're over here talking about how we don't have money, there's another conversation happening at the same time of people asking each other, 
hey, Linda, do you have any, like, what's the deal flow right now? Like, do you have any, like, investments? Like, I'm looking for a place to put this money. Like, there's so much money, <laughs> you know, and that's one so of the big much. things I learned. And once you meet someone with money, you meet five people with money because just as everyone that's making $40,000 a year hangs out together, so do the people that have $5 million. They all hang out with each other, right? Absolutely. But here's the thing to add to that is like part of the reason why we're having issues with our economy right now is because there is so much money. The reason inflation exists is because the money has flooded in the economy and so it's becoming worth less. Mm -hmm. It's worth less because more of it exists. Mm -hmm. When less money exists, the value of money goes up. Mm -hmm. So it's important for us to understand that inflation is taking place right now because there's so much money flooded in the economy right now at this moment in time, which is why it's important to come up with the ideas to you know, understand that we can move that money, funnel that money into our communities. So true. And so I think it was maybe six months ago when we started to hear about the recession, the recession is happening, right? And then it kind of turned into, well, maybe not. And now I'm seeing like the economic downturn is upon us. It's going to last for three years. Like, what do you see? Because you're really paying attention to this more than I am. Where are we right now in that story, I guess? Sure. And yes. what do you see happening over the next year, two or three so let's talk about a couple of things right now. How come we keep hearing different stories? Mm -hmm. Like it's coming and then mm -hmm. it feels like it's quiet and then it's, up <laughs> and it's, it's, it's here. Yeah. It's here. It's here. It's, it's quiet. It? Yeah. And then, you know, it's, we get all of these convoluted, I guess, like different types of stories that come through. Mm -hmm. And so the way that this system works is that the stock market is the first one to raise the flag. Mm -hmm. So the stock market is going to be the very first one to let us know shit is going down. So I it don't let know me know. I, I can't even look anymore. It hurts. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. So it's letting you know there's something wrong here. You need to pay attention. It's almost bringing an alarm. And then everything else starts to follow after that because everything else is backward looking. The stock market is forward looking and everything else is backward looking. So mm -hmm. the last one to respond is going to be real estate. That's going to mm -hmm. be the very last one to respond. And in between, it will be retailers that will start to let us know how everything is doing, how everything is going down. And then it'll be like FedEx and UPS, all of these little like reports that are coming back. So that's kind of why we feel like the stock market let us know right away. Yeah. And then, you know, it calmed down, it started to uptrend, and then other components began letting us know. And so that's important for us to understand that it's a journey and mm -hmm. it is, you know, a pretty long one. We did kick the can down the road since 2020. So that's something that we have to take into consideration. The beauty about being invested in the stock market is that the bottom doesn't last very long. The same way where the stock market is the first to let you know, it's also the first to recover. Mm -hmm. So by the time that real estate is like in a really bad place, Place, the stock market is already back in recovery mode because it's forward looking. It's telling you we're, mm -hmm. we're moving forward, which is also why I really push for also being participants of the stock market directly mm -hmm. because it gives you a different advantage mm -hmm. when shit is hitting the fan. Mm -hmm. So when real estate is doing really bad, the stock market's already moving towards a recovery. Mm -hmm. From just my perspective, and I could totally be wrong, I don't like to necessarily predict the future, but I, I do like to preface it by saying anything could happen. For example, we didn't think it was going to get this bad, mm -hmm. but with the war that happened with Ukraine and Russia, that really like threw a wrench into everything and took us down a lot lower than what we had anticipated. And so, you know, I do believe that we're participating in that war. We might not be pulling the trigger. We might mm -hmm. not be, but we're definitely flooding in a ton of money to help support that war. Um, so that's why it's affecting us. And it's also affecting the food supply chain. Mm -hmm. So with that caveat, what I'm saying is that anything can happen. And so then what I feel is going to happen is a different story at the end. Yeah, I do think that it's going to take us two to three years to recover fully. And what I mean fully is like, 
for real estate to do its thing, if it's going to unravel, unravel, like we haven't even started to see real estate break down quite yet. Everyone's waiting for the prices to go down. (laughs) I'm like, it's still too expensive. Yeah, it's definitely still not a time to buy. But if we do move into towards a recession, which is we are technically and by historical definition, we are absolutely in a recession. What is creating confusion is because the job market is doing so well. Mm -hmm. That's what's creating a lot of confusion right now. But I do feel that we're in for like a two to three year journey with the with the understanding that the stock market is always the first to recover. So while you may be doing bad in one area, you could be doing really great mm. in another area. That's why it's important to diversify our overall portfolio mm-hmm. like from different asset classes. Or, you know, when real estate is doing really bad, this could be a really great opportunity for a lot of us that haven't purchased a home, etc. Mm-hmm. So just because something's doing bad, it doesn't mean it's bad. Like when the stock market is doing bad, that actually is code for good. It's time <laughs> to go means- shopping. That's what exactly. I learned. Buy the dip. Three words, everyone. Buy the dip. Yes. Okay. Yes. Buy the dip. So yeah, that's the way I feel the economy is moving right now. I think that Fed Chair Powell with the data that came out this last couple of weeks, which is that inflation is doing not good, worse than expected, then he needs to take action. And his action is going to be to raise interest rates. And while that might feel bad, it's also a great opportunity because here's the good things that can happen from interest rates getting raised. One is that the banks are paying us a little more money than they were before for having our money in their savings accounts, which is always positive. And then the other thing is that the housing market is forced to come down. It has no choice but to come down. So the higher we go, the more that the real estate market is forced to come down. And some people might be like, well, yeah, but it doesn't matter because now I'm paying a higher interest rate. Yes, that is a factor that we need to take into consideration. But the beauty about interest rates is that we can always refinance. Yeah. And a house, you can't take it back and be like, I want my my discount <laughs> yeah, guaranteed. Yeah. Like, you know, the yeah. house is cheaper now. Yeah. Give me a lower rate. No, it doesn't it doesn't work like that. But we can take advantage of that via refinancing our homes. Right. Talk to me about the hurdles that you personally have had to overcome yes, to get to where you are, right? Because you are a shining example of someone that has worked on their mindset and has stepped out of their comfort zone and has up-leveled their life and is now helping other people do the same. So, you know, you had to overcome a lot of things to get to this point. So yeah. can you just highlight if there's like any daily practices or any like pivotal moments, like just the key things that helped you? Because I'm sure there's a long list, right? Like there's a long list. Sure. You know, we're not 23 over here. Like we have, we've, yeah. we, we've been around the block. So a lot of things have impacted us to get to this point. But just share some of those, if you will. Yeah, I'd like to first, if you don't mind, just share a high level of what I've gone through. Because I think sometimes people are like, you know, you've had it easy. You come, oh my God, what? Assume. I think people just assume and they may not know, you know. So I think it's important to highlight how bad it got. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I stopped living with my parents at 12 years old. I was in gangs. I became a mother at 14 years old. I uh, was silently addicted to drugs for an entire year. Um, I had a really bad addiction. I was able to get out of that. I was homeless. I was couch surfing. You know, it's not like I was living on the street, but I was couch surfing. You know, there were times where I was in a cot. There were times where I was on a couch. I was in very abusive relationships. And I'm still a mother (laughs) at the Mm -hmm. same time trying to, you know, just make it through. So there has been a lot of challenging beliefs that I've had to move through, right? I've been a statistic. I've had to move through that statistic. I didn't have the support of my parents. Like I couldn't call them up and be like, hey, I need toothpaste or, (laughs) you know, a basic item. Mm -hmm. It was like, hey, you know, I wish I could call and be like, I need love. Can someone hug me today? Can I get a kiss? Does does anybody care? Mm -hmm. And so it has been a journey of understanding me, of knowing that I am my dad, Mm. I am my mom. Mm -hmm. And then I have that within me, that I can tap into that. I can pull that out. I can nurture that. Mm 
-hmm. I have what it takes. There is nothing outside of me that I need from anyone else that I cannot pull and gather from within. And that has been the most liberating part of this journey because it was no longer searching externally Mm. and thinking, that a drug was going to numb me enough to help me forget that I needed X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a man that was going to love me enough that would show me more love than what my father could show me. Like all of these external things that I was seeking, I really had to just come to terms that it has to be me. Mm -hmm. And I think there's this like sadness about that, Mm -hmm. you know, because you have to break up with the idea of what you think life should be like for you. You have to let that go. Mm -hmm. And when you let that go, it's not easy. It's like, fuck, Mm -hmm. but I really wanted a dad. Mm -hmm. I really wanted like this perfect family, you know? And it's like, it's it's not gonna happen. Mm -hmm. It's not gonna happen in the way that you think is gonna happen. It's gonna happen in a way that is so much more extraordinary that you can tap in and actually pull that out and reach for it, that you can walk by a tree and feel the energy from a tree that might be masculine energy. like. The things that we need come in such simple ways that we can start to feel if we just open our hearts for that energy to fill what it is that we think we are lacking. Mm -hmm. Because we aren't lacking. It truly, truly is internally. And I've Mm -hmm. discovered that for myself. And I think once I discovered that for myself, especially after... Um, attempting multiple times to just go to sleep and not wake up anymore. Mm -hmm. I have found that in the work, like there's so much love and so much beauty accessible. And it was important for me to share, here's all the things I went through. You might have gone through things much worse than me, but I want to also share with you, not just the dark side, but how I've pulled out and Mm -hmm. I love to do that. And right now for me, it's through money trauma. It's through money wounds and a way that's accessible for us to look at our money wounds easily. I just feel like the stock market really reflects money wounds in real time. Mm -hmm. Um, So I like to use that vehicle as a mechanism to heal. I'm on the secret mission where people think they're going to learn the stock market from me. But what they don't know is that they're really going to learn their monetary relationship with themselves. Yes. (laughs) It's taken a lot of work, but it's accessible. And I think the work and the journey has been so rich. Even when I fall flat on my face, even when I fail, I think most especially when I fall flat on my face and most especially when I fail, that is when I really build muscle, I build strength, I build courage, and it gives me everything I need to go another step. So I think it's just important for us to reflect those moments and those experiences with one another and share how hard it really was to get to this next level and the things that I do in order to practice overcoming the beliefs that I can't make it. I can't do X, Y, Z. I just want to highlight before I let you go on, I want to just highlight something that you said that really just ties back to what you said earlier about the bottom is the opportunity. It's when you fall flat on your face, right? Some people are just like, okay, well, I fell. I'm embarrassed. I feel shame. I'm not going to get back up. I don't want anyone to look at me. But that's the opportunity when you're when it's at the bottom, similar to the stock market, right? When it's at the bottom, that's the opportunity to build something extraordinary. So anyway, I just want to insert yes. that. because just That gave um, me the chills. Yeah. Yes. But go on. Just things that you had to, like, what did you have to... I mean, obviously mindset is so huge, right? But what else did you have to let go of to get to where you are now? Like, what about people? Absolutely. What about places? Like when you were saying breaking up with the old belief, to me, it's mm-hmm. also like breaking up with your old self, Absolutely. like your old life. Yeah. You can't stay in 1983, Linda, and be 2022, Linda, right? No. And I want to touch on that afterwards about this concept of like the Jenny from the block syndrome that I see happening in our community. Like we think that we have to stay poor to stay brown and down. And we think that, you know, we're going to somehow lose touch with our roots or our culture if we somehow amass wealth. Anyway, we'll touch on that. But <laughs> I, want yes, to, yes. I want to hear more about like what you had to let go of to get to this place. 
Yeah, you know, it was definitely 1000% people. It was definitely places like where I was placing myself that was aiding experiences to, you know, seek drugs at one point in my life where I had to like really just cut it out from the root. There were times in my life where I had to make hard stops. And there's times in my life where I get to like slowly come to a rolling stop. Sometimes I'd pass the stop sign, I wouldn't stop, you know, and then my emotions would pull me over. You need to pull over, you know, where are you going? Um, But yeah, I think there were so many moments. I think a a really big one that comes to mind that might be so simple, but just to give an idea of all the things I've had to let go. I remember being about 26 years old and I used to have a massive addiction to like clothes and shoes and walking in to my room and looking at all of the shoes, I didn't have any money in the bank (laughs) and I didn't have expensive shoes either. I had a bunch of cheap shit, you know, (laughs) like just, I just like to stack it up and like, look at it. I don't know. Uh I had this moment of understanding that this wasn't it that unfortunately this wasn't what's going to bring me happiness, that Mm -hmm. that chase itself was not going to be it. And I remember falling to the floor and screaming and crying like a baby because I had spent so much energy chasing that thing, going to the mall every Friday on payday to like, here it is, this is what's going to make me happy. And This is why you work, right? You work to buy stuff. Yes. And understanding like it's it's even that simple, like having to let go of those things and understanding like it doesn't matter how many shoes you buy, what you're seeking is not going to come forward with the shoe. So it's making all the little changes in that way and letting go of those habits and putting myself instead on a Friday, come straight home, getting into maybe workout gear, going to walk the block, like whatever it is, just putting myself in a completely different space Mm -hmm. so that I could start to tap into different thoughts. And I found that the development of my relationship with self, spending time with myself, not spending time on, again, external validation via shoes, people, places, or things Mm -hmm. was the only thing that was going to move me forward. The only thing. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I have had those moments. The beautiful thing is that I feel like those moments force you to really ask yourself, like, what do I really want? Right? Like if take a piece of paper and write down what you really want. And then after that, below that, write down what you really want. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like you're like, I want money to buy clothes and I want a car. Okay. But okay. But let's pretend you already have that. Is that really all you want? Is that really what you want? And I find that the opposite to be true of, you know, I still find myself in this kind of loop of like, well, when I get the money, I can't wait to pay off my bills. Is that really like what life is about is like so excited to pay off bills? No, like that's not what I really want. <laughs> right? Yeah, but it's like, no. I find myself stuck in that kind of, you know, like scarcity, right? Of like, sure. and also being scared of debt, right? Whereas we know yeah. that wealthy people call debt leverage, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, and incur a lot of leverage. A yes, lot of leverage. yes. But let's just touch on briefly before I want to talk about, you know, what you're up to next is this concept that I see or this behavior that I see or this belief, I guess, in our community of people, they want to be successful. They want to step into their more successful self, but they're also scared to somehow lose touch with where they came from. Do you see that? And how do you respond? (laughs) Yes. So here's the thing is let's go back to the gates. from the beginning of this conversation where we discover, oh, there's a gate here. There's a fence all around my little world and there's this gate. And so I think what the fear is, is that if you open the gate and you go outside of the gate, there's an entire community that raised you and was with you that may not be able to see that the gate exists Mm -hmm. and they don't have the mindset yet to pull out the keys and open the gate. Mm-hmm. But if you can see the gate and you don't open the gate, pull out the keys and open the gate, then nobody knows that the gate exists. Just you and you're silently sitting mm-hmm. fenced up in the gate. And so I think this is normal behavior. I think this is like primitive behavior. Mm-hmm. It's tribal behavior where we don't want to leave our tribe. Mm-hmm. 
But I think what we fail to understand is that this isn't leaving our tribe. This is expanding the lay of the land Mm -hmm. that we get to participate in. You're just knocking down a wall. It doesn't mean that you're leaving anyone behind or that you love them less Mm -hmm. or that you feel better then because now you get to explore a new playground. No, that's not what this is. This is just getting to demonstrate, hey, look, this limitation here, it doesn't have to exist. You can uphold it along with the people that are trying to uphold it, or we can break it down and let it go and move towards another space. Right. And I think it's also important to recognize that relationships do change, that, you know, things may no longer be what they were with certain people. But this is so important. Like how many times do we look at other folks that are doing extraordinary things and compare ourselves? And there's some, you know, space of jealousy or maybe even envy. And I think that experience is important because it tells us, first of all, it shows us that that person left the gate, Mm -hmm. right? And that might anger us because we're like, hey, who do you think you are? Come back, you know? But then it, it shows us like, what do you really want? Yeah. What do you really want? Is it you? It, do you want to be on that vacation having that experience? Do you mm-hmm. want to be on the stage having that speaking engagement? Because you can have it too. It's not limited just to that person. There's stages waiting for you. There's all of, you know, everything is out there waiting for you, but you're too afraid to leave the gate. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to leave that limitation. So yes. I think that is kind of where that's rooted from is that primitive tribal nature that we have. But it's important to understand that we're not leaving, we're helping expand. Yeah, I love that repositioning. Tell us what you are doing right now. You have two classes now, and um, Nopaleta has given away one scholarship to Wealth Rules Everything Around Me, which I'm super Thank excited you. about because that class changed my life. And um, But tell us like what else is happening in, in Luce We Trust world or in Linda Garcia world. Yes, yes. So we do, you know, we have the second course. There's the one that you took, and then we have a second one that is more of a program. It goes really deep into money wounds. We have about a month's work of money wounds that we need to move through. (laughs) I'm so glad I took the first one. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I'm not ready. Easy easy out. (laughs) And then we go deeper into the stocks and everything is very beginner friendly. It's It's not like you have to do research or before you come to class. We break it down really simple. And so we move into also the the economy space and we touch on what capitalism means for BIPOC. And so we just go deeper into the space itself. So that's stacks. Mm -hmm. And then I am currently in the process of editing my book, um, which is- So exciting. Yes. Are you allowed to reveal the title? Yes, I am. It's called Wealth Warrior. Of course it is. Perfect title. <laughs> yes. And what's incredible about this space and just embodying my personal truth, I have always wanted to write a book. We had the publisher and the uh, my literary agent join my courses secretively, spying on me. And they came together to offer me, you know, would you, we think you have a book, would you be interested in writing a book? So just another testament of like, when you follow your thing, all the other things come, not in the way that you anticipated maybe, yeah. but you have to be open enough to like receive it in whatever way it comes. So really excited about that. It's coming out in early 2023. So we're almost here. We've been oh my God. almost two years almost into the process. So I cannot wait. Yes. Thank you. I cannot wait to buy copies for people, to recommend it, to just force people to read it. (laughs) I can't wait. And is it also going to be translated? It is going to be, we landed a, um, a publisher that translates. So it's going to be in Spanish. Yes. That's amazing. Yes. And it's going to be accessible all over Latin America. I, I love it. Um, Linda, I'm just so grateful for the work that you do for, for having the courage, you know, to, to grow, to become who you are and that you're still pushing and growing. And it's just so inspiring. I'm just so grateful. Like, I feel like I'm going to (laughs) cry. I want to just ask you some rapid fire questions before we sign off here. 
Yes, yes. Well, before you start, I just want to say I am also very grateful to you. And what you reflect in your product and the quality of it, you let me know every single day what I deserve um, continuously. And you let me embody a different space. You let me open a different gate that was limiting for me in abundance and just getting to experience that ritual while I'm in the shower. So thank you. Thank you. You know, I... It's been a it's been a very interesting summer. I've been I feel like I've been on the spot for for many months because I've been pitching to investors. I've been pitching in competitions. I have to pitch next week on a stage to five thousand people at the Latitude Venture Conference in San Diego. So I wow. can't actually wait until I see you at the We All Grow because that's going to be my vacation. <laughs> I can't <laughs> wait. Um, yes. So if you see me walking around with a margarita every single day, that's yeah, why. Let's get it's it. Been, it's been a very long summer. And I've learned so many things from this fundraise. And one of them is just how to tell the story, how to really articulate that what we are doing is positioning our culture as aspirational Mm -hmm. because we have been conditioned our entire lives to aspire to Western European brands. You know, the harder it is to say in French, the more expensive it should be, the more we want it, the more we want to, you know, be like, um, I call it the Haagen-Dazs syndrome, right? Because, you know, Haagen-Dazs is a made up word, right? You know that? It doesn't mean anything in any language. Really? And Haagen-Dazs is from New York and it was created by two immigrants and they named it Haagen-Dazs because they thought that if they named it something European sounding that they could position it as high-end ice cream, which they did. And it's still working yes. to this day, right? People are like, oh, yeah. it's fancy. No, it's not. <laughs> Haagen-Dazs is, means absolutely nothing in no language. It is just a made up. But anyway, wow. but just standing in our worth you know, it's like I have to continuously do that in order to move forward. And it's it's challenging, right? Because people think that there's just so much reinforcement to the contrary, right? That mm-hmm. somehow we're a small, we're like a little, I'm wearing my No Somos Niche t-shirt right now. I right? love like that people think like <laughs> People think like, oh, we're just over here creating like cute little brands for ourselves and for our communities. It's like, oh, hell no. Like let's normalize mm-hmm. Latinas building billion dollar empires for the world, global empires. Yes. You know? Yes, absolutely. Anyway, okay. So now that I've cried, okay. <laughs> Here we go with the rapid fire questions. Number one, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? I think there, can I give you the worst piece of advice? Because I feel yes. like, okay. Yes. Um, the worst piece of advice I've ever received is fake it till you make it. Mm. And that led me to discovering the best piece of advice, which goes back to me letting you know that there's nothing that you can receive from someone outside of you, that it's always important to reflect what you perceive and what you think. I think that we need to move away from this idea of gathering content from outside of us and instead process maybe, take some time to process the content you've ingested and then potentially question it on how it pertains to you or how it doesn't pertain to you. I think for me, the fake it till you make it era was really telling me that I'm not good enough, my culture's not good enough, that I need to pretend to be haagen Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I'm really just Linda Garcia and, you know, like my makeup is my makeup. Um, and so I feel like that has always driven me further away from who I am. And while I understand the part of the saying where you need to like think different, mm-hmm. we can't just like cover up a false belief with another false belief. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you don't believe that you are not good enough and you try to use a, I am good enough, but you don't believe that either. Like you're, you're, you have one false belief layered on top of the other one. So yeah. this is rapid fire. And I just went No, listen, it's, it's rapid fire on Mexican time. So you know, okay, take all the time it. you need. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Um, so number two is what does success look like to you? Success to me looks like being confident enough to be my true self. That's how it looks like to me. It's just being me and all my flaws and all my things that don't look successful. Mm. I love that answer. What does your perfect day look like? I am laying on the couch. (laughs) 
Yes, we're on the same page, Linda. Okay. I'm laying on the couch with the remote control and my brain is watching TV that doesn't force me to think or mm -hmm. do anything. I'm just watching some trash TV somewhere. Yes. Yes. I love it so much. It's so funny because when I asked this question to people, so many people said like they talked about working. I was like, your perfect day includes working. <laughs> and then I, when I interviewed uh, Patty Rodriguez, she was like, dude, I just want to be, leave me alone. I'm gonna, just going to read my book. Just like, that's, my, that's what my perfect day looks like. like yes. <laughs> lying down, reading a book, leave me alone. Don't call me. <laughs> so we're on the same page here. And then number four, what do you want to be remembered for? For trying. Mm hmm hmm Just, I tried. Mm-hmm. If I didn't succeed, I just wanted to be known that I fucking tried. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that you are succeeding because, I mean. <laughs> um, and I guess just lastly, I usually ask this last question to product-based entrepreneurs, but I want to ask you too because... I think that you'll have an answer is what is the thing that you wish you had known before starting your own company? Obviously there's probably a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I knew it was going to be hard, but I didn't understand the depth of not just like how hard I would have to push for myself, but when you start to employ and grow a team mm -hmm. that hard. Cause that's another level of hard. It's, it's, yeah. it's a, one hard when you have your, you know, your, your, it's just you and you're doing great and, yeah. you know, and then there's another level where you have contractors, but then there's another level where you have W2s. Yeah. I think that's the part that no one really talks about. And that's like, because then your limitations and your beliefs, it no longer includes you. You're mm -hmm. now you're now projecting like limitations and beliefs on your employees, which yes. is so dumb. Like when I start to worry about my employees and, and think like, cause what if I fail? Cause then they fail. I start to think like, why am I limiting them as if they are all boss ass bitches and they yeah. can't do their own thing and grow right. and like, they don't need you. Exactly. They don't need anything from me. Like, why am I placing those limitations? Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that, that part, I wish I would have been, better prepared for. It's so true, Linda. I am right there with you. I am in that right now because we're about to go to the next level. And I'm like, I have to level up. I can't mm -hmm. expect my team to rise if I'm still stuck in like 2021, Sandra, right? Yeah. So it really does push you to step into your greatest self and to yeah. really step into a leadership role, you know? Yes. Um, yeah. The pushing never ends. It's like... You can be a leader to yourself, but to be a leader to a team is a whole other game. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, Linda, I could talk to you forever, but I'll save it for next week and when I see you in person. Yes, I can't uh, wait. Margaritas um, and more yeah. crying probably. Oh my God, yes. Oh my God, I'm going to bring the tissues and, and the waterproof mascara. But thank you so Healing. much. Um, I'm going to share your classes and, and your resources with everybody. I just think it's so important. And I love that you're leading this wave of helping our community understand wealth, understand money. As you said earlier, it's not taught to us in schools. You know, financial literacy is so important, especially now in this moment of time that we're in. So just thank you for doing what you do. And thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I love you so much. And I appreciate you opening your space. And I just love it. Visit nopalera.co to pick up your favorite self-care items for yourself and your friends and family. Join our mailing list to be the first to hear about new products and exclusive promotions and follow us on IG at nopalera.co. And if you are an entrepreneur looking for more real talk and resources, you can join my entrepreneurial newsletter from my personal website, sandraliliavelasquez.com and be the first to know when I host workshops and masterclasses. Everything is linked below in the show notes. Stay resilient.